0: Hello, and welcome to Living Heritage, the show about people who are engaged in the heritage and culture sector, all those who keep our history and culture alive at the local level. I'm Dale Jarvis.
1: And I'm Katie Crane.
0: Hello, Katie Crane. Hello. Welcome, welcome back. Uh, we had you on a little while ago. We were doing our clips from the Baccaloo Trail, and uh, since then, we've been doing a bunch of fun graveyard stuff.
1: Anything in graveyards is fun. <laughs>
0: It's true. I love any excuse I can get to, into a graveyard. I'll take it. So we've been asked by a number of communities, you know, where do they start? How do they start doing work on cemeteries? And I think a lot of times people want to jump right into uh, cleaning up the cemetery or doing things with headstones I always encourage people to start a little slower and to maybe do some documentation with their cemetery because it's really easy for people to uh, start on projects without really having full information and end up doing some damage to the the property or to the stones. And so this is where we come in, uh, going to communities and helping them out. You and I have been showing some communities how to do a lot of this work Digitally?
1: Yeah, we've been using the Billion Graves app, which is a free, publicly accessible app that's really user friendly um, to kind of document and digitize some of the inscriptions on the headstones.
0: So I think before we get too far into it, I'm going to play a little bit of audio from the Billion Graves app website. There's a number of training videos uh, which go into a lot more detail, but I'll just play a little bit to give you a sense of what the app is uh, and what it's all about.
2: Billions of people are having a very difficult time finding their ancestors' grave sites. They first have to know the right cemetery to travel to, And then need to find a particular headstone in a large cemetery, which sometimes feels like an impossible task. Billion Graves aims to solve this problem in an unprecedented way. Our free mobile app allows people to take pictures of all the headstones in a cemetery and record GPS locations for those photos. Then the app will automatically upload the photos to the Billion Graves website. Once the photos are on the website, users transcribe them. And then what used to be a seemingly unreachable cemetery has become a treasure trove of family history information that billions of people can easily search through to find their ancestors. If you map out your cemetery and I map out mine and so on, you'll be able to visit the world's cemeteries from wherever you are.
0: And that's it. That's the introduction to the Billion Graves app, uh, and it it is fairly straightforward. There's a number of tips and tricks that we can get into, but really, uh, it is just an app that you download to your phone. You go to a cemetery and you start taking photos. It's a little more complicated than that, but that's that's it in in a nutshell, isn't it? That's kind of yeah, how it pretty- works. That's pretty much it. (laughs) Yeah, we started off our training sessions by doing a virtual uh, workshop of sorts. We knew that people were interested in documenting some work in their graveyards, and because of the fact we can't get out into communities as much as we once did uh, and teach workshops in classroom settings, we started to do some stuff online. So, do you want to talk a little bit about how we set up doing the Twitter uh, version of our very first Billion Graves workshop?
1: Uh, We basically took all the steps to using the app and the the tips and the tricks on how to get a good photo for the app. Um, And we broke them apart into a series of tweets so that we could show step-by-step what um, you had to do and how to get a good photo. And I was in St. John's and I was doing the tweeting and you were in Clark's Beach at the cemetery recording the Salvation Army Cemetery in Clark's Beach. Um, So when I would say, this is how you do it, you would be sending me examples so that I could kind of compare you know, the theoretical step with what it actually looked like in the app.
0: Yeah, and if you go to our Twitter account, HFNLCA, I think you can still track that down and find that whole great big long uh, Twitter thread that will walk you through it. But really, I think the easiest thing is to just go and download the app and start to play with it yourself. The app's available for both iPhone and for Android Phones, and which is great because we have one of each. I'm on i <laughs> I'm on an iPhone. Katie's on an Android. Um, basically, the same interface. It it works pretty much the same way. Uh, you do need to set up a free account so you can go online and and do that. Uh, and then I guess the first step is really to figure out if there already is a cemetery linked to a map uh, on the app for for the community that you're going to do some work in?
1: Yeah, um, some of the cemeteries that we worked in were already set up. And some of the cemeteries that we were doing work in needed to have a cemetery page created before you can start recording images for it.
0: Yeah. And there's kind of two ways you can do that. You can, you can do it directly from the app. You can physically go to the cemetery uh, and create a cemetery within the app. That will generate the GPS coordinates uh, and then link them to a map. Or you can go on to the BillionGraves.com uh, website, and you can you can zoom in on the map and set up uh, a cemetery from there. We, we, you and I've, we've kind of found out that there's a bit of a lag between the uh, the app and the website, and and sometimes it takes a, a few days, you know, depending on their busyness, I guess, uh, how long it takes them to authenticate a, a cemetery. Um, we're working with one community, uh, uh, Port-A-Grave, which has something like 40 burial sites, 40 cemeteries. Um, and so our recommendation to them was you know, start with making sure that all your cemeteries have pages. Uh, and when you go online, you can do a find uh, cemeteries search either on the app or on, on the website. Um, you can look at the map, you can see where the cemeteries are. That that seems to be a, a pretty important first step. So let's assume that a community's uh, got their apps, the, the cemetery is online, uh, has a has a page for the cemetery. When they get to the the site itself to the cemetery, you know, what are some of the things that they should be thinking about before they start?
1: Um, It depends on, you know, the weather, uh, the conditions of the cemetery. We've done work in cemeteries that were obviously continued to be maintained, um, but we've also done work in cemeteries where there has been no maintenance in a long time. So you need to be prepared to take clear pictures of the stones. So you want to have you know gloves to pull back thorny rose bushes you want to be wearing boots if you're tracing through kind of soggy ground maybe it's rained um we did the one in harbor grace and it was pouring while we were doing it <laughs> it
0: was yeah
1: um and you want to make sure that your phone is fully charged yes and uh, I, made
0: that, I made that mistake
1: <laughs> yes uh, and that you have a backup battery pack uh, to, or a portable battery pack to charge your phone if, if you need it because the app doesn't work without your phone.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, I guess it's also important to, to note that when you're out in the field, uh, you don't need to worry about using your data. You can, you can take all the photos. When you take a photo of a headstone, uh, it automatically geotags it. It saves it to your phone um, and then, when you get back somewhere with Wi-Fi, you can upload everything, you know, all at once using Wi-Fi. So you don't have to use up all your data, which is good if you're out doing field work, uh, especially if you're working with volunteers because you don't want to put a cost on them for doing doing the work. Um, you mentioned, you know, weather and and uh, you know, having a, you know the the proper lighting. Uh, do you have any tips uh, for? like actually taking the photograph of stones themselves?
1: Yeah, you want to make sure that you get the full inscription. That, that That's the most important part. You don't need a full image of the stone. Um, you can link images. So if you have a stone that has writing on multiple sides, um, you can link the images so that they'll all appear in the same record. Um, and you can also link images where you've taken a you know a close-up of the inscription and then you link the image of you standing back and taking a full picture of the stone
0: um
1: you want to make sure you're level with the uh the inscription like kneel down get up close because you don't want to have any sort of shadows created by angling your phone in strange ways um and you want to make sure that you clean off the stone a little bit sometimes grass is growing up around it and it's blocking the um or you know someone has flowers placed on the grave, and you can just move those aside while you take your picture and then put them back
0: yeah we we found that with some modern granite headstones as well that there is a real reflection you know so uh you might not notice it as much when you're there in the field, but when you look at the photos later and you, you can see, you know, the reflection of the person taking the photo, um, it, it makes it a little harder to read the inscriptions. We were doing some work the other day um, at a Methodist United uh, Cemetery in Carbonier, uh and the sun came out. It was quite hot and quite bright. And we really did start to see on some of the more modern stones that you could see, uh, you know, see shadows and see reflections. So we were saying it would be a good idea if you were doing it on a sunny day to bring something like a tarp or a blanket that you could then hold up um, uh, to kind of block the light. Kind of an an overcast day in many ways is kind of a a better day for taking uh, headstone photos.
1: Yeah, some of the photos that we took um, at some of the other cemeteries on days that were a little more gray and cloudy ended up being a little more readable than the ones that we took on the bright, sunny, warm, beautiful summer days.
0: Yeah, uh, it's nice to work on a beautiful summer day, uh, but yeah, it's better to work with the uh, with conditions that allow you to get the best uh, photograph. And I think you're right. It is important to get the the inscription information. I know when we did the workshop with uh, summer students in Harbor Grace, there were some tall obelisks and, and some of the students were, were standing back so they could get the full picture of the obelisk. Uh, you... Can do transcriptions on site, but generally what we're doing is uploading the photos and then doing transcriptions on the website afterwards. So if you have a photo of a tall obelisk, by the time you start zooming in to try and figure out what the inscription is, it becomes very, very difficult to read.
1: Yeah. That's why linking the images is really useful because you can take the up close and then link it to the picture of the full stone so that if someone is looking for this particular stone in the cemetery while they're doing their research, they can still get the information from the stone, but they can still see what the stone is supposed to look like so that they can find it themselves.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and w- one of the other things, just in terms of how you kind of organize the event, y- when, when you have a group of people, you can do a fairly large cemetery fairly quickly. When we were out in Carboneer uh, at Bethany United Cemetery, we had a team of, there were one, two, three, four, five, six seven of us, I guess, working. Um, And we were able to do, gosh, uh, I'd say probably a thousand stones uh, in, in under two hours. Um, one thing that is useful is to have one person who isn't taking photographs. Uh, because if you're doing it with a group of people, uh, you, you want to make sure that you're not duplicating the work and that people aren't taking photos of things uh, that have already been done. So when we did it in Carbonier, um, I was that person and I was kind of the stage manager of the, the cemetery photography. So as as a person finished a line, I was kind of keeping track of which line of graves uh, people had already documented and saying, okay, now you go over there and do this section. it's also useful to kind of parcel up the cemetery a little bit and do it in chunks. Uh, there was one section, for example, that we didn't do in Carbonier uh, because, uh, you know, it was lunchtime and, uh, and it hadn't been mowed. So the grass was quite high and they were saying that uh, the cemetery workers might be back to mow that section. So it, it makes sense t- to wait. Uh, and that's something that now that the, the local students with the Carbonier Historical Society are trained in, And they can go and do that work without us. They don't need us to be there to do it. Um, The uh, the interesting thing is the transcription as well, because we've kind of found some some interesting things that happen. As I said, you have the option of you doing transcriptions right in front of the stone uh, on your phone. That's a lot more kind of labor intensive. Um, And so generally, we just upload it and you can do the transcriptions yourself or you can just click. Know when it asks you if you want to do the transcriptions. Uh, It uploads, and then uh, almost as if by magic, volunteers appear and start to do transcriptions.
1: Yeah, when we did the uh, cemetery workshop in Logie Bay Middle Cove at our cove last year at the St. Francis of Assisi Cemetery, we uploaded a little over 300 images between the four of us that were working on the cemetery. And then the next day I logged on and I was like, I've got some time, I'll do some transcriptions and they were all done. And it wasn't by any of us.
0: (laughs) It was these random, random uh, goodwill strangers who had gone in, uh, which is kind of an interesting uh, feature of the website uh, that, you know, if you have a membership, uh, a free membership, you can go on and just hit the volunteer button and start transcribing headstones from all over the world. It's kind of fascinating. I've done it. And it's just kind of neat because it kind of It randomly gives you a headstone that hasn't been transcribed. So they could be from anywhere. Some of them are more easily legible than others. Um, And you do have some options. You know, you can rotate the photos. There's even a little... kind of color slider, brightness slider, so you can kind of play with the, the photo a little bit uh, to improve the readability of the inscriptions, you can rotate things, that, that kind of stuff. Um, or if someone has uploaded a photo of their thumb instead of a photo of the tombstone, you can you can kind of flag it, uh, and uh, the, the the staff, I guess, at Billion Graves goes through those and, and removes the ones that aren't necessarily uh, in the right place. Um, one of the other things you know we we found that there's sometimes if the cemetery hasn 't been set up, things get assigned to a different cemetery so we had done uh, we had done another Salvation Army cemetery in Winterton, and uh, the cemetery hadn 't been uh, added when we took the photos, um, and it assigned them to the nearest finished cemetery which was like in hearts content or something like that
1: hearts content or hearts delight one, one of, of them
0: the, one of the hearts yeah
1: <laughs> so which isn't really near no.
0: winter <laughs> <laughs> if it was like across the street or something we would understand but it was quite far away um but then it's very obvious when you look at the map that oh, okay you can um uh, you can see that this is actually part of a separate cemetery, and they were able to to just kind of shift all the records over for us fairly fairly readily um, what's what 's your experience being uh kind of working with community volunteers and students how How quickly do you think people are are figuring it out
1: i think they 're figuring out. Pretty quickly. I think it's an easy app to use. Um, You are literally just taking pictures. Um, It's a bit confusing on the website sometimes um, where you go to access the information. I find that you have to go into volunteer instead of research, which Mm -hmm. is a little confusing to me. But the actual process of documenting, I think, is, is really good. And I know that a lot of people that we've talked to have have been shocked at how easy it is and, and very thankful that it's as easy as it is.
0: <laughs> yeah, when we, in, uh, when we were in Cape Royal, they have a, a green team uh, with, uh, co- funded through the Conservation Corps, a group of uh, student workers. I think they have four student workers. Uh, we went down, there were maybe four of us that were helping out uh, their four students, and we did the entire uh, Immaculate Conception Cemetery and had time to go around and poke around in some other burial sites uh, I know the more modern cemetery in Cape Royal, the team went, you know, one day uh, the next week and they recorded that entire cemetery as well. So the actual photography uh, really does move quite quickly. It's, it's astonishing. The students who were doing the work in Carbonier had been doing a lot of the work, kind of pen and paper, uh, going out and recording all the transcriptions, which is still very useful and it's good to have that paper documentation. Uh, they were very impressed with how quickly and easily they were able to start uh, uploading this stuff. And and I kind of feel the more people uh, use it, the more people become aware of it, it, it becomes uh, more useful to researchers. Um, like, have you looked and, and seen how many cemeteries or cemeteries around us that have been, been included uh, on the app?
1: Um, yeah, I've seen that there's a lot of cemeteries set up in town, but when you click into them, there's not a lot of information on that cemetery. So it's, it's like, uh, the people who are working for Billion Graves are taking information from, you know, Google or something, and they're pre-setting up any cemeteries that they know about. Um, but the volunteers haven't been taking the pictures because the app isn't as, Used in Newfoundland, at least. Yeah,
0: yeah. I don't think it's that well known here. It, uh, it is. Uh, an American app, but it can be used uh, worldwide. Um, It's a not-for-profit organization, which I kind of like. They're, they're, I think, loosely associated with um, the Mormon Church, which has a great uh, passion and interest in family history research, Um, and associated, I think, in some way with FamilySearch.org, which is a really great uh, resource, also run by the Church of Latter-day Saints, uh, for doing family family tree research. so we did our workshop in, uh, on Twitter and we've done a couple out and around and put it on uh, social media. And then, and then all these people started calling and saying, oh, come to our town and do, do a workshop. Um, so how many, how many have we done? We've done? Which communities have we gone out and recorded in so far? We uh, did
1: Cape Royal and the cemetery in Bear Need. And Carboneer, and Harbor Grace, and we're headed to Placentia soon.
0: Yeah, we're going to do we're going to do kind of a longer session in in Placentia coming up, um, and it really is pretty straightforward. You you can, you don't need us to come out and uh, help you, uh, but we love to do it. <laughs> it's a lot of fun to getting getting communities set up. Yeah, and I think you're right too. I think like when you look at the website and look at the cemeteries that are. Um, on the maps they i think they 're kind of auto generated from some kind of other other database um, because a lot of them don 't have their boundaries uh, you know set or the pins on the map might not be in the exact right place so if you have uh, an account set up, you can actually go in I know for example in st john 's the Belvedere cemetery um, had a pin on the map, but it was actually quite a distance out down the road from the actual cemetery and the boundary of the cemetery itself hadn't been delimited. So I, I went in cemetery nerd that I am and dragged the pin to the right spot and, uh, and drew the borders around the cemetery. It's all based on satellite photos. So you, you get a pretty good idea. I think they're using Apple maps. Um, so you get a pretty, pretty decent idea of where the, where the cemeteries are. Um, the other thing maybe, Katie, I'll get you to, to mention is what once you upload your photos, it creates uh, a page for every photo or every set of linked photos. So if, you know, John Smith's uh, grave, uh, you take a photo of it, you upload it, there is a a And what's the word I'm looking for? A unique URL for that grave. So when you were doing work with Logie Bay Middle Cove, Outer Cove, you had a database um, of tombstone inscriptions, uh, a spreadsheet on Google Docs, and then you were going in, and I think the staff this year has actually been updating that and adding in all these links. So it's a great way of kind of tracking information about, uh, about uh, sites. And, and I think you can go in and add other information on those individual tombstone pages.
1: Yeah, you can add in birth or death records. Um, you can link it to information from family search. And you can upload any other kind of information that you think is useful for family history researchers.
0: Yeah. And I think there's even a kind of a a memories um, option there. So which is just basically a, a blank text box. So if you have a personal memory of that person or historical information about that person, you can add that in as well. I know a lot of people have been using find a grave uh, find a grave is another website for people who are doing family history research where you can kind of go online and add in historical information or family memorials um, that is owned by ancestry.com um, so it's actually a kind of a for-profit privately owned uh, company that owns that uh, so at the moment find a grave I'm pretty sure the basic uh, the basic setup of it is free same as billion graves uh you can pay for more features um but the actual app is free and doing the work of uploading photos is free because i think they just want communities out there recording cemeteries Uh, and the more that get put in the more useful it becomes as a as a research tool have you do you have a favorite cemetery so far uh
1: that's really hard to choose. <laughs> I have some favorite stones. Yeah. Um, the grave of the Norwegian ship captain in Harbor Grace was really interesting. Uh, there is one that we updated or uploaded for carboneer um, that I've been doing a little bit more research on. It's a stone that is just a fragment of a sentence because it was so overgrown. It had obviously fallen down and then grown over with moss. And all you could see was carboneer, but never arrived and so i 've been doing some more research trying to figure out um, as much as I can from that stone to to be able to add that stuff to the the app and its its unique page
0: There was a really beautiful stone in Carbonier as well i don 't know if you saw it. But it was um, a marble stone and it was two marble pillars side by side within a marble arch uh, joining the two of them. And I think it was a husband and wife. So they had individual pillars and then were joined by this beautiful marble arch. Quite ornate. Um, and I, and I, love seeing, I love seeing things that I haven't seen before. There was an, there's an anchor. Did you see the anchor in the Carbonier Cemetery? That was interesting I did see too. the anchor, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So it, it, that's kind of fun too, when you, can, when you can look and see how you know styles and materials and personal expression have changed over time in some of these cemeteries. I think that's, that's uh, the Billion Graves app and website in a nutshell. Is there anything else that you think people need to know or any, any information you would want to pass along about people who might be tempted to... To try it?
1: I think if you're doing a historic cemetery, it's just really important to be organized. Uh, some cemeteries are nicely laid out in rows, but historic cemeteries... Uh, especially if they haven't been kept up, can tend to be a little chaotic. And so it it's really good then to have a group of volunteers work in teams, have the one person coordinating everything, or two people coordinating if your team is big enough, um, and take it section by section. And if you're not going to complete the cemetery, it might be useful to mark off where you left.
0: Yeah. Um, one thing that I would also say that I think is kind of useful about the app and the mapping feature, the emphasis really is on uh, inscriptions and uh, getting that kind of useful family history data out of it. Uh, But if there are, we see in Newfoundland um, a lot of Fieldstone headstones that don't have any inscriptions, just rough stone headstones in some of our older cemeteries, um, and I think it's really important to take photos of those as well, or crosses, unmarked crosses, uh, or even empty plots where you know that there is. Uh, you know, we had a few in uh, Carbonier, which were obviously family plots because they were delimited by a, a concrete or cast iron fence, and uh, and with no stones inside, but we still plot those things on the map. Um, And and sometimes I think uh, historically in in Newfoundland, as people who have been doing very well-meaning cleanup projects in cemeteries, uh, sometimes some of those fieldstone markers, I fear, uh, have been lost, uh, that people have just said, oh, this is just a stone, I'm going to just turf it over the wall. Um, And then that Uh, that placement information is kind of lost, at least on the surface. Or people
1: don't recognize what they are and then let them grow over and get buried and covered.
0: And then lost. So I I kind of feel, this is not an official statement from BillionGraves.com, but I I feel, you know, if you are using the app and you have the option to record something like that, go ahead and do it. Um, uh, We keep talking about Carboneer because that was the one we we're most recently involved with, um, they do have some burial records and maps of where people are buried. So even if the inscription is illegible, or if it's just a plain wooden cross or a field stone, there might be be information that's held in an archive or a church uh, basement somewhere. Um, So if you put the information in now, even if it's partially incomplete, Um, some future researcher might thank you for just uh, noting exactly where that grave was in the future. Um, And the other thing that I think is kind of uh, good for is that we have a lot of, um, uh, you know, cemeteries or burial sites that might have one stone, you know, a lot of uh, kind of informal burial sites uh, in Newfoundland and Labrador. We did one in Cape Royal. Uh, We went off for a walk and found that one uh, stone in the meadow uh, all by itself. And yeah. so we we set up a a boundary and a name for that cemetery and, and made sure that we recorded that as well.
1: Yeah. And I think that's important because sometimes those stones, I think, are probably more at risk of being damaged or lost because they're on private property. And if someone decides, I don't want this on my property, they might get rid of it. And there's no record of that.
0: Yeah. Probably a good note to add as well, but because it does happen a lot here in Newfoundland and Labrador that often these, some, some of these smaller family plots are on private land. Uh, So, you, you know, be sensible when you're going out and doing research and, and, we know you want to record some graves, but if you think you're going to be trespassing on private property, get get permission from the person before you, you start going tramping around someone's backyard. There's lots of public cemeteries that need your help. Uh, so start with those, I would say. I think that's it for us. If you would like to talk to you about how to use the Billion Graves app or maybe even set up a training workshop for your summer students or museum workers or heritage volunteers. You can get in touch with me, Dale Jarvis, dale at heritagenl.ca, or you can go to our ICH blog, ichblog.ca and we've been posting various things about the different cemeteries we've been working on and I suspect we will continue to post interesting photos and stories from some of the, uh, the cemeteries that we've been visiting. Thank you, Katie. Thank you. And we'll see you all soon. You've been listening to the Living Heritage Podcast, a co-production of Heritage NL and CHMR Radio at Memorial University. You can find previous episodes on iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. We're on Twitter at HFNLCA. Do you have a question or a suggestion about an aspect of culture and heritage you want us to explore? Send us your mail and we'll do our best to answer it in an upcoming show. Email us at livingheritagepodcast at gmail.com. Our theme music is by Lache Swing. Thanks for listening.